0: Good morning. Welcome to East Taylor, so if you're visiting with us. If you are visiting with us, when you leave today, you can go out these back doors, and there's a table out there. You can grab a little backpack, and it's got some information about our church and ways that we can serve you. Uh, we just started a brand-new church year uh, this Sunday, so uh, with that in mind, we don't usually make a lot of announcements. Since it, is, it is a brand-new church here. Let me make mention of a few things uh, in your bulletin. This Wednesday night, the Women on Mission are teaming up with the Operation Christmas Child and they're gonna start putting together the pencil bags uh, for that. So summer's over, Christmas is coming, okay? So just get that in, just get that in your mind, okay? Uh also, since it is a brand new church here, um, there are information sheets for breeze. Breeze is what we use for our church management system. Uh so if we need to make a visit to your house, that's where your address is, that's where your phone number is, and that kind of stuff. It's really important for us as staff to have that information and for it to be correct. So as you leave today at this window seal and this window seal and in the back, or maybe you've got it in Sunday school, there is a sheet it says ETBC Breeze information. If you will get one of those for your family and just update your information, make sure your address is correct, phone numbers are correct, that will be a great help to Mark and to the rest of the staff and the deacons as we go out and. Uh, make visits with people. Uh, Also uh, Awana is starting back on the 18th and so is our kids worship service. I know a lot of people have been asking about kids worship starting back. Uh, And then again, thinking long-term towards Christmas, uh, Coats in the City, those buckets are out in the JFMB lobby and so are the candy buckets for our Trunk or Treat. So I don't know if you've seen uh, candy prices lately. They're pretty high. And so we're gonna try to get an early start on collecting candy for uh, our Trunk or Treat. And also sometimes as we get closer that candy seems to be running out. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get an early start on that. So if you can, when you come in next Sunday, drop a couple bags of candy or some coats for Coats in the City in the buckets that you come in. But I know that's a lot of announcements. We don't typically do that. So don't kill the messenger, okay? Christmas is coming. All right, stand up, turn your neighbor and tell him Merry Christmas. <laughs>
1: greatest privileges that we have as followers of christ as believers in him is that we can pray for one another we pray confidently knowing that god hears us but that we get to intercede on behalf of those around us those we love and as we have started back to school for one full week here locally in public schools and christian schools um, as some of you as college students have been back now for a couple weeks Um, I just felt like it'd be a good time for us to pray for our students. Uh, For many of you that have grandkids that are in school, or maybe it's your kids, um, what I want us to do today, of course, our altar is always open, and we're going to invite you to come and kneel at the altar if you have needs that you need to lift up. But specifically, I want to encourage you to pray for your kids if they're here, uh, just to get around them, uh, put an arm around them. Some of you that are in choir, you can come down here and get with your student, with your child. Uh, maybe it's your grandchild but um and if somebody's here that doesn't have a parent with them maybe they're here visiting just you as a congregation commit to pray for them pray for our students as they go to school pray for teachers pray for administration their greatest need is to seek the lord on their behalf ask the lord to work in and through their lives this generation is facing challenges that most of us can't even imagine i mean just just be honest this culture has changed so dramatically has become so aggressive in indoctrinating and changing and pushing ideas that are so far from Scripture, our kids need a defense. And we have a God who can give them what they need if they will trust Him. So this morning as we go to the Lord in prayer, I'm going to ask all of our children that are here, just have a seat so we can kind of see. If you go to elementary school, middle school, or high school, just have a seat real quick so we can identify you. I know a lot are gone for Labor Day. And as parents right now, as as our praise team leads us, choir leads us, uh, as we sing, I'm going to invite you to go and find your child and just put your arms around them, and you intercede for your kids today. Let's sing, and if you feel led to come to the altar, you come as we sing right now. Heavenly Father, we are encouraged and we take heart, we take comfort, and we find great strength in the fact that you're with us. Lord, that we can call on you, that we can intercede on behalf of others, knowing that you're working, that you hear us, and Lord, you're working to carry about your perfect plan and your will for their lives. Lord, this morning we want to specifically lift up our kids, this next generation of students who desperately need truth. Who desperately need strength to stand in a culture that is fighting against them, that is fighting against the truth of your word. Lord, first of all, we pray for our students that they would know you as Lord and Savior. For those that are questioning and doubting, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would bring understanding and conviction that there would be salvation to come into their lives, that they would trust you as Lord and Savior. And for all of our kids who know you and walk with you, Lord, help them to become stronger in their faith. Lord, that their roots would go deep. Lord, that they would not be swayed or tossed back and forth like the waves by this culture or by this idea or that idea. Lord, help them to rest in your truth and, Lord, take comfort in your promises and your presence in their life. Help them to go deeper, Lord, to become disciples and fully devoted followers of you as they grow and mature. Lord, we pray that you give them wisdom and discernment as they're faced with ideas that are contrary to what is true. Lord, give them conviction to even stand, even if they stand alone. And Lord, also, I pray that you would give them a love for their friends. Lord, as they go on the campuses each day as elementary school, middle school, high school, and college students, help them to see, God, that you have them there for a reason. Help them to be the missionaries, to speak truth, and to show your love that others may come to know you. For those that are hurting, use our students to bring comfort and speak peace. And to show your great love to those that are hurting. Lord, we also want to lift up of their safety. Lord, that you'd protect them as they go to school day in and day out. Lord, if so many travel, but Lord, even while they're there, that you'd protect them from danger, protect them from the enemy and the attacks that come. Lord, finally, we just want to pray for our teachers who give up so much and sacrifice so much that struggle to do what they feel like they're called to do because of rules or regulations lord help them to teach and love these kids and make a difference for your kingdom for our administrators help them to be bold and to do what's right and lord as a church help us to constantly and readily be ready to encourage and love our students and give them what they need to follow you faithfully Lord, we thank you that you hear us and i pray that you touch each family here And guide them and lead them as they raise up this generation of students. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
2: Be seated.
3: Well, amen. Am I on? Can you hear me? I can't hear myself. Am I on, guys? There we go. Jesus, only Jesus. What a beautiful song. This morning, I want to share with you what God has laid on my heart for this morning. Of course, Jamie's not here. He's off with his wife. And uh, I want to share with you this morning, Jesus first. You know, my mother taught me a valuable lesson growing up. Mothers are very wise. When I say Jesus first, I'm pointing this one finger at you, but i got three pointing back at me. So I really look at myself more so than anything this week and the last couple of weeks. But you have your Bibles, I want to share with you this morning. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 31 through 34. I want you to put Jesus first in your life I want you to put Jesus first in your family and I want you to put Jesus first in the church that's my challenge to you this morning to put him in these three areas seek him first we need to get back to the basics of our faith and seek Jesus first and foremost Matthew's, Jesus is speaking in Matthew's gospel it's on the screen It says, and therefore do not worry. Say, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33 is what I want to talk about this morning. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. My heart this morning, and my prayer this morning, is for us to seek Jesus first. Let's pray together. Father, we surrender to your lordship this morning. We surrender to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit, that you might be first and foremost in our life. I pray this morning that you would speak to us through your word as you're speaking to those in this passage through Matthew's gospel. Lord, it's you speaking. Help us to hear you. Help us to heed what you're saying and to apply it to our lives. And Lord, when we leave here, may we be better people because we've surrendered ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This year, our Sunday school theme is Jesus First. I met with the Sunday school teachers in here just a couple of weeks ago, and I challenged them to put Jesus First in their life, in their family's life, and in the church, in teaching the Word, in teaching instructing others with the gospel of Christ, in training them to serve Him. But I want to challenge you this morning to seek Jesus first, and I want you to seek others to know him and to live for him. I believe this passage is the answer for worry. If you go on and you read before this verse here, it says this. Jesus said, we don't need to be anxious about the basic needs in our life, such as food and drink and clothing. Jesus said, if you'll seek me first, all these things that he just mentioned will be added. You don't need to worry about those things. I'm sure the people in Jackson, Mississippi are worrying about those things. They've not had water for weeks. Could you imagine? But the Bible says we're not to worry about those things, because God will take care of those things in our life. I believe with all my heart, if we listen and apply that what Jesus is saying here, it will transform our lives forever. It will change who we are. It will put in us the 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 DNA that he wants to put in us, that spiritual walk that he desires for you and me. It'll change your life, it'll change your family, it'll change your church. Seeking Jesus must be in this order. You can't get out. You must seek Jesus first, then your then your family, and then the church. That should be in that order and never change. It should never change. Remember what Jesus said. In the passage before in chapter 6. He's talking about the birds of the air. He said. They don't gather into barns. They don't go out and work in the fields. and, and, And bring in their food. He said your heavenly father takes care of them. And feeds them. He said I know what they need. And then he said these words. How much more valuable are you? You're very valuable. You're valuable to God. And he wants to bless you. And meet your needs if you'll seek him first. He gives us our daily bread. David said in Psalms 37, 25, he says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, and I've never seen his seed begging for bread. David said that. David said, I've never seen my people forsaken. I've never seen him begging for food. God will take care of you. Things have been tough lately. Gas prices are high. Things, inflation, $800 more dollars a family per month. I know that. I'm experiencing that every time I go to the gas pump. I know that when I go to the grocery store. But if we put God first, you'll never see the righteous forsaken. You'll never see seed begging for bread. So let's look. So we have the privilege of knowing the truths and experiencing these great truths. Let's define what Jesus was saying about seeking him first and seeking his righteousness. What does it mean to seek Jesus first? What does it mean? First, it's pursuing the lordship of the Holy Spirit. Every day that we get up, every day that we live as a Christian, we're to seek the lordship of the Holy Spirit. Father, what do you want for my life? What do you want for me? I want to seek you first. I want to pursue after God with my heart, with all of my heart. That's what I want to do. Lord, here am I. Lord, here am I. Send me. I want to put you first in my life. What do you want to do in my life today? I surrender myself to you. That should be our first prayer when we get up in the morning. God, what do you want to do with me? Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. Jesus Putting Jesus first is this. It's total obedience. God, whatever you want, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to serve you in any capacity. Jesus has challenged his people in this, in this passage to seek him first. And he's, and he's challenging us to seek him in these areas, these three areas, to seek him first in our life, our family, and the church. Putting but putting God first means to keep his great commandments. Remember what Jesus was saying? He said, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your soul. And the second is like unto the first, he said, Love your neighbor as yourself. So God challenges us to love him by putting him first. And loving him first. In other words, we're totally vested in our relationship with God. Everything we have, everything we are, we devote to Him. A few years ago, Mr. Adam, he's a construction, uh, he does construction, builds schools, he builds buildings. He was out of state, and I was talking to him. And Mr. Adam said, Mark, I want to tell you our success. I want to share with you our success. And I wrote it down. I think it's worth writing down he said our company dedicates everything we own to the Lord he said every piece of equipment that we have in our construction business when we buy it we pray over it and we dedicate it to the Lord he said God it's yours every building we build every building we own we set it aside and we dedicate it to the Lord and Father it's yours and he said our time at work We dedicate it to the Lord, and we put it first. And then he said these words. He says, we're living out Ephesians 3.20. And then we're going to get into the message. We're living out Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can imagine or think. Listen to those words again. Now to him, the Lord, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could imagine or all that we could think, according to the power that works in us. Mr. Adams said, it's because we're putting Jesus first, we're experiencing this verse in our company. A very successful man. The first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is Jesus first in your life. Seek Jesus first. My plea for you this morning is to seek Jesus first. And when I say that, I mean that to me. What does it mean to seek Jesus first? Jeremiah puts it plainly. He says in 29.13 on the screen, he says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. How's your search life going? Are you seeking Jesus first with all of your heart? Jeremiah said, You'll find me. You'll know me. Go after Jesus every day with everything you have and put on Jesus every day. In Romans 13, 14, I believe it's on the screen, in the New Living Translation it says this, Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every morning we get dressed. Every morning we put our clothes on, whatever they may be. Romans says to put on the Lord Jesus every morning. Making first in your life every day. Every day that you get on, say, Lord, I'm putting you on. I'm putting Christ on, the Lord Jesus. And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be obedient to you. And it says in this verse, and do not let yourselves think about ways to indulge your, your evil desires. Guard your heart every day. Guard your mind every day, according to Corinthians. Guard yourself. I contacted a missionary the other day, and I said, would you please give me a definition what putting Jesus first is. It's on the screen. I hope you can read it. I want to read it to you. It's important to know what God desires by spending time with Him. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It says, Jesus is the person that we can know and communicate with. Every day we have the privilege of knowing Him first and putting Him first. We can know Him by communicating with Him. He says, I read His Word to know what He wants. We'll never know what God wants, and we'll never know how to put Him first if we don't read His Word. So I want to challenge you to put Him first and read His Word this morning. He says, I pray to ask Him to help me walk it out. Kevin texted me the other day. He said, are you sure this is what he's saying here? I said, yeah. God wants us to flesh out our faith. He wants us to walk out our faith every day. This is what he's saying here. And I surround myself with other people that love him too. That's so important to have fellowship. And the last thing he says is this. Seeking Jesus first means that he desires means that his desires take first place over mine. God's desire and God's will takes place over my will and my desires. So Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We need to pursue him out of a heart of love for him and not out of duty and not out of convenience. We need to serve him because we love him and and he's first in our life. So my challenge to you is put him first in your life. Put him first. Are you seeking Jesus with all your heart? Are you seeking him with all of your mind and everything that you are? If not, you can today. If, if you're not doing that, there's a, good, there's a great opportunity. You can change what you're doing and say, Lord, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you first no matter what in my life, one day at a time. Mary John Wilkins. I don't know if any of you know her. She's passed on, but she used to sing this song. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. One day at a time, you put him on every day. One day at a time. We're not to hold anything back, but to pursue him with all of our heart. Jesus does a heart check in Matthew's gospel in in chapter 6, verse 19, A through 21. I want to read that to you. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal. You ever have anything stolen? Ever, has somebody ever broke into your home and stole something? They have ours. Some of you have experienced that. But Jesus said, but lay up your tre- yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break up and steal. And Then Jesus said this, for where your treasure is is where your heart is also. Where's your heart this morning? Is it seeking Jesus first? Paul writes the church of and in, in Colossians 3.1, he says this, If then you were raised with Christ, which we are, we're Christians, we're raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seating, sit, sitting at the right hand of God. We need to seek the things that are above and not the things of the earth. Billy Graham's quote, you've heard it many times if you've listened to him preach. It's on the next slide. And I want you to really listen to what he says. He says, you're going to stand before God alone. You remember that? He said, you'd stand before God alone and give an account of what you did with Jesus and how you've lived your life. We're all going to stand before him alone. And we're going to have to give account of how we've put Jesus first in our life or how we've not put him first in our life, our daily walk with him. So it's a challenge to us. We need to walk with him and walk worthy with him. Putting God first means that we strive to follow Jesus and follow him in Jesus' steps, in Jesus' steps. First Peter says this, First Peter two twenty one, The New Living Translation says, For God called you to to do good God's called every one of us to do good even if it means suffering just as Christ suffered for you he is our our, your example and you must follow in his steps we're to follow in his steps how do we do that 1 John 2 says this he who says he abides in him you and I, that we say that we're Christians and we say that we abide in Him, we are also to walk just as He walked. We're to walk just like Christ walked. That's what John was saying. May you personally walk with the Lord. May your personal walk with the Lord with the Lord lead you to be transformed and renewed and blessed. The next thing I want to share with you this morning. Put Jesus first in your family. Put him first in your family. But seek first the kingdom of God in your family. Luke says this, Luke's Gospel 14, 26 and 27. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, those are strong words, hate his father and mother and wife and and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. These verses are challenging us to pursue Jesus out of a heart of love. Our love for Jesus should pale in comparison to our love for our families and our children and our grandchildren. We're to love Jesus first and then our families next. This is what Deuteronomy says. We're to teach Jesus to our families. We're to teach Jesus. Listen to Deuteronomy 6, chapter 6, verse 6 through 7. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk to them when they sit down in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. We're to take God's word every day as parents, and teach our children. To teach them by who, who Jesus is and, and to put Christ first in their life. That's what we're to do. As parents, we're to tell our children about Jesus and to teach them about the value of knowing God's word. God's word is very valuable. This past COVID, this past January, post-COVID, January, we baptized over 24 young people is that correct? 20-some young people. And I began to think about that. We had no outreach. We were not in and in, in, in having Sunday school or anything like that. And so I began to think. It's because parents were sharing Jesus and they were putting Jesus first in their families and these young people came to faith. Praise the Lord for that. They came to know him and they were baptized because parents were concerned. And kids were concerned about where they were with Jesus and where their lives were. Matthew's Gospel 4.4 says this, for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how we're to live. By every word. Putting Jesus first in our family has been one of my, one of our greatest rewards in life. How do you do that? To watch our children grow up. Such great men and spiritual leaders to watch my sons grow up to be men like that has been such a blessing as a dad as a parent the key to our children's spiritual growth is teaching them by example parents they look at your life they know who you are they want you they want to see Jesus in you and we need to be that godly example to them We must teach them. We must teach them consistency and responsibility. It's critical in their spiritual journey. We must teach them those things. Teaching them to seek Jesus first and their family is most important. I want to make this statement to you, and it's very simple. Be responsible parents and give them Jesus. I've not been giving them Jesus like I should. I've not been sharing my heart with my kids like I should or sharing Jesus with them like I should. Be responsible parents and give them Jesus. Praying for my family has been one of the greatest joys of my life, my Christian life. Being persistent in prayer. As you come down just a few minutes ago and you were praying for your children and some of you were praying for your grandkids like I was because they're in school. You're praying for their for the Lord to overlook their life and to use them. It's been one of the greatest life-changing things in my life. Be a praying parent for your family. I have a prayer that I pray for my kids and I've been praying it for them ever since before they were born. It's a simple prayer. I'm going to share it with you this morning. I wrote my boys a note and I sent them a letter and I said, boys, I love you. This is what I've been praying for you all of your life. I've been praying this prayer for you before you were born. And I still pray it to this day. I want to read it to you. It's very simple. It says, Father, I pray that you would hear me today and protect, and I name my children, Landon, Graham, and Trent today. Protect them from the evil one and from any thing or anyone that would bring them harm of any kind. Uplift them in the life of Christ and use use them for your honor and for your glory today. Use them to further your kingdom or your gospel that others may know you. Use them for your benefit and for your honor and for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. That's a simple prayer. That's not all I pray for. But that's one prayer that God has honored throughout my lifetime as a praying parent. I want to challenge you to pray for your kids and your grandkids as you have never before. Because Jesus needs to be first in our families. He needs to be first in our homes again. Teach your sons and your daughters to put him first in their lives. And when they're parents, they will implement Jesus to their children and to your grandchildren. I want to stop just a few moments and I just want to thank the parents that are here this morning. I want to thank the Sunday school teachers that are here this morning for putting Jesus first in your life. For putting Jesus first in your family. I want to thank you for putting Jesus first in the church with all my heart. East Tallisville has been foundational for many children, from preschool to college and career. My kids come through Sunday school here because they had good and godly teachers that taught them the Word of God. They're they're the men who they are today because of the church. Because the church put Jesus first. So I want to talk to you about, in, in concluding, about Jesus first in the church. Jesus first in your church, where we're at. How does putting Jesus first apply to the church today? How does, that, how does that work? It has everything to do with it. Jesus must be central in our worship. He must be central in our preaching. He must be central in our teaching. And yes, in our praising Him in song. Jesus must be our center focus in all that we do. Sadly to say, some churches don't have that. It's everything but Jesus. But Jesus must be first. You know, Jesus also calls the church to follow him and to pursue others to know him. That's what he does. He calls us not only to know him and to seek him first, but he's also called us to seek others. We need to seek others that don't know him. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And he said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets. They left their nets and they followed him. Who were they? They were his disciples. It was Andrew and Peter and James and John. They were fishermen. And now they left everything that they had and they followed Jesus. They followed him. They put him first in their life. Why? Because Jesus... He called them. He said, follow me. That's what he's doing here this morning. He's speaking to you, and he's saying, follow me. Jesus has called you, the church, to follow him. The Bible says that we're the called out ones, that we're being called by God to follow him and to know him and to to share him with others that others may know him and they may know how to put him first in their life. That's what God has called us to do. We are to follow him and tell others about our Jesus and how much he loves them. Church, our, our love, for, love must be for others. It must be for others that they may know him. So seeking others so they can become fruitful for his kingdom. I want to read to you in Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. Jesus is telling a parable about the barren fig tree. And in verse 6, he says, And he also spoke to them this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. And then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. He says, Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? No fruit. And then Jesus says in verse 89 But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. This is a picture of people who are unfruitful because they've stopped putting Jesus first in their life. We're no longer bearing fruit. We're no longer making fruit for the kingdom of God. We're no longer seeking the lost people of the world. And this picture of the fig tree could be a picture of you and me. It could be a picture of me not putting Jesus first. It could be a picture of Of you and your family not putting Jesus first. It could be a picture of the church not putting Jesus first. And that's where we're at. So what do we need to do? We need to be those digging around the tree. We need to be the church. We need to be those digging around the hearts of others that have become unfruitful for his kingdom. This past Thursday, I had the privilege of going down to see Jeff Reed at Baptist Hospital. The last time I saw Jeff, he was at Catawba on event. Didn't think he would make it. They told him his family, 50% chance you may make it. Well, I went down, walked in the room. I had talked to him the day before on the phone, but when I went into the room, there was Jeff, and he was sitting up, sitting in a chair. He was he was cleaned up and looked great. But I've been talking to him for the last year year and a half of, of, in his life because he had gone through difficulty. You know there's people that are going through difficulty in their life. He's a church member here. He'd been a church member here many years ago. And I went to see him and, and encouraged him. He said, Mark, I just need to start putting Jesus first in my life. I need to get back where I need to be. Post-COVID, there's 100 plus people that are no longer in our church. They're not in worship. They're not in Sunday school. And it's up to you and I, the church, is to come along beside of them and encourage them. We need to be the ones digging around their hearts, calling them, visiting them, talking to them, and praying for them. When I left Jeff Thursday, we talked about the things of the Lord. We prayed together just to encourage them. There's some people in your life and my life, they just need some encouragement. They need somebody like you to come along beside of them. So you know what? I love you. I care about you. That's fertilizing. Hey, I'm praying for you. I care about your life. Well, this morning, we're going to have the opportunity to respond to that. You can respond where you're at in your seat. You can respond by coming to the altar to put Jesus first in your life, to put Jesus first in your family and to put Jesus first in the church I want to close with this this last statement guys if you go to the last slide back in 2000 I had the privilege of going with Craig Hamlin up to Memphis, Tennessee to a preaching conference and there I met I met a guy who put this cre- preaching conference on Dr. Stephen Olford and Stephen was one of the prince of preachers in, in uh, New York and in the U- US and also in Europe His friend, John Phillips, who wrote the Phillips commentaries, wrote a book about him It says, Only One Life. And then there, at the back of the phrase is this phrase. I want you to really look at that. See, Mr. Olford was, he was a college student. His dad was a missionary in Africa. He was a, a missionary kid in Africa with his dad. And when he grew up he went to college, he was an engineer. He was a very smart man. And he was up in another part of the country. He was maybe up, maybe up in England. And he was riding a motorcycle. They had motorcycles back in that day. And he had a wreck. And nobody discovered him. And finally somebody came along and, and got him, and he developed pneumonia. This was before penicillin, okay? So he's in his hospital bed, and he's not doing well. He has pneumonia. He has no penicillin because they don't have penicillin. And he's dying. And the doctors come to him and say, son, son, you need to get things in order. You need to get your life in order because you're not going to make it. But his dad, three or four weeks before that, had penned a letter and wrote a letter. They didn't have email back in 1930 or something. He wrote him a letter. He was an African, wrote this letter. And the letter, he didn't know his son was hurt. He didn't know his son was in the hospital. And the letter comes to his son. And he's laying in the bed. And he opens the letter. And this was a phrase that jumped out at him. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Dr. Oford said this. Those were my dad's words. He said, God, if you'll raise me up off of this sick bed, if you'll let me live, I'll put you first. And he did. And God raised him up. This morning, will you put Jesus first? The instrumentalists are coming for a time of invitation. If you'd like to stand, would you stand with me, please, for a time of invitation. My challenge to you this morning, you can come to the altar, or you can pray where you're at. Jesus, I want to put you first in my life. Jesus, I want to put you first in my family. Jesus, I want to put you first in the church. We all have times in our lives when we become unfruitful. We all become like the fig tree, every one of us, if we're honest, and we're not productive for his kingdom. Can I encourage you? Can I encourage you to be the church, to go out and dig around people's hearts and lives and pray for them and encourage them. The only way to become fruitful again is to seek Jesus first and to seek others. That's the only way that we can become fruitful. Church, this is the answer for church growth. It's not programs, it's not events. It's seeking Jesus first and others to know him. That's the spiritual and the numeric growth of a healthy church. Jesus said, through the Apostle Paul, I I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God gives the increase. Would you come this morning? That's our invitation. You come. Thank you for being here this morning. I'd like to close us in prayer. Father, we thank you so much that we can put you first. And Lord, we have that great privilege of following you. And Father, to be your disciple. And Father, help us to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And Father, would you bless those that are here? Would you bless their homes, their families? And Lord, would you bless the church again? Lord, help us, Lord, to pursue others. Seek after others and to love others. And Father, most of all, help us to love you. First and foremost, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you have a good day.